0: And binge on those videos, which which I have designed to help businesses get more leads, more sales, and more profits through the power of trade shows. So go find Trade Show University on YouTube and tell a friend. Hello, my friends. Welcome back to campus here at Trade Show University. I guess this is kind of like summer school right now for the summer semester, however you want to look at it. I'm just glad you're here. I am Jim Cermak, your host. Today we are talking about a very important topic that is it really affects. It doesn't matter if you're a big company or a small company where you're doing big shows or smaller shows. You need to be more and more cognizant, more aware of it. Don't think it doesn't apply to you, and that is security, especially cybersecurity. And I have on the perfect person to talk about this. He's a uh this I think his third time on the on the podcast, and that is Brian Scott from Clear Tone Consulting. And Brian has been in the security industry and the IT industry for many, many years. And he brings such great insights. He's going to show you all the things you need to be concerned about and what you can do about them. So it's a great conversation that you do not want to miss out on. So before we dive into that, I just need to make sure you are plugged in everywhere you can because there's great episodes coming out uh, coming up uh, very very shortly in the next several weeks. Make sure that you are subscribed wherever you listen to your podcast and make sure that you are on our email newsletter list. I'm going to be giving away some more books at the end of the month. So be sure that you are uh, you are signed up. All you have to do is go over to our website at trade show u.biz trade show B I Z Just drop your email address right there and you will be signed up. You also get a free gift. So you'll see when you get to the website, what that is. And you get free tips every single week on top of that. So make sure you are subscribed. Now let's go talk to Brian Scott. Welcome back, everybody. This is going to be a very, very interesting and enlightening episode. As we talk about security, especially cybersecurity as you know, data and technology and the integration of technologies has just become part of everything that we do. And especially in the trade show industry, data is more and more prevalent. It doesn't matter what size company you are; you've got data out there that is available to you, and that could be a great thing for you, a bad thing for people that want it, that is <laughs> that is not your company. And uh, today we are going to be we're going to be focusing really on associations and trade organizations. But this this information is really going to apply to just about everybody in the trade show world and the event world. And I'm proud to have on a good friend of the uh, of the show, Brian Scott. Brian Ryan provides expert CIO services based on a technology career spanning 35 years, with the last 20 at the CXO level. He specializes in software development, networking, cybersecurity, system integration, and more. Over 21 years of experience within the exhibitions and trade, markets, trade association markets, he is a patent holder in event technology and a current board director for IAEE and SEER. Brian, welcome back to Tracy University. Say hello to all of our event professionals out there
1: hello and hello you did hello to you jim it's so good to be back it's i always enjoy these conversations that we had and i'm really i've been looking forward to this one in particular
0: yeah some of the most enlightening and mind-blowing conversations we've had in the past to just anything revolving around around data and technology i mean the world is constantly evolving and it just is going so fast uh and that brings up you know what i what i kind of mentioned in the intro here is security you know why what is going on around the world maybe you could just give us a give us an update on what's happening out there
1: well it's a great question because it seems like even we're almost becoming numb to the fact that we hear about security issues all the time it's just security 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 and yet it just continues to escalate right and so why is that you know a lot of organizations every year pour more money you know and more resources and more focus into security but then why does it continue to be more and more of a problem as opposed to kind of just diminishing and going away well there's there's lots of things that drive that and first off it's it's very real it's not it's not you know it's not something that's blown up by the media or something you know 20, 2021 saw a 50 percent increase in cyber attacks over 2020 wow. and it's almost like that every year you know and the estimations of the estimates for loss you know cyber fraud loss, is hovering around two billion dollars a year. So apparently, crime does pay oh, <laughs> you know, my. on that side, because there's a lot of money that's involved, and and that's really right there. That's one of the driving factors, right there. It's there's enough organizations and individuals that are susceptible, all right, to fraud and phishing and uh, other types of attack fronts that you know it's fairly easy and so as long as you know that's the way criminals work right they look yeah. for the easy road to the money and as long as it's it's going to be easy it's going to, we're going to continue to see that that increase but there's more than that going on too because you know a lot of folks in smaller organizations maybe small trade organizations let's say that you know uh, may or may not have some events but they might be thinking well who's out there on the other side of the planet that's really focusing on me why would they be looking at you know us in mm-hmm. particular well, there's a couple of answers to that. And, and one, the first one is, is well, they're not. They're not specifically looking at you, maybe. But when we know that the world of technology and automation and AI and all of that is evolving on the commercial side, right? Well, all of these cyber criminals are in, um, deploying these advancements in technology, automation and AI in their task of cyber attacks right and cyber you know being cyber criminal activity so they're creating bots and programs and stuff that just automate all kinds of aspects to it and so you know so that so that's one thing so no one's safe right i mean mm. if you basically if you're connected to the internet you know then then you're at risk that's one part of it but and another as- interesting aspect is, is that their success with phishing you know, phishing has been around a long time and everyone knows you know what phishing is we, we see the spam come through and but it's very effective still you know 91 percent of the cyber attacks that are, are successful that create incidents start with phishing i mean that's that's wow. that's like the front door right that's how everyone's operating okay on the on the from the criminal side and of those are what's called spear phishing and spear phishing for the audience out there means it's not just a spray and pray and you know where they don't know what they're sending to they're sending phishing emails to specific people and organizations posing as other known people in the organizations like the ceo right or Mm -hmm. the or the cfo or something like that and then asking these individuals to do things right and that's very effective. And it's so effective that that's why they're, they're you know, they're focusing on that. And of course, you know, so they get a credential or they get something, some information from the individual, and then they can get into some kind of systems, whether it's email or other systems. And there it just starts right from there that they just they, they kind of go rampant. And so I think the combination between the effectiveness of the spear phishing camp automations and other technologies that they're taking advantage of and the fact that our training of our staff is so lagging behind that is still you know it's very ripe ground for those cyber criminals to continue to uh,
0: to plant wow the it's scary and makes a lot of sense at the same time. And I've, I've seen, I've seen a lot of those spear things come through posing as other people. I'm like, that doesn't sound like something that person would do. But it wouldn't, like you said, if it's coming from someone higher up in the company, sometimes you're not going to question it. You're just going to move forward. And, and yep. that's what opens the door. Wow. Yeah, so, it's true. So what, are, what are some of the basic mistakes that you see associations doing these days?
1: Well, there's a lot there to peel back. And it's not just associations. It's it's it has a tendency to be smaller organizations. And in fact, you know, a lot of people will think because we hear in the news really large organizations, you know, Sony or sure. the, you know, the pipeline incident or whatever. And these are large companies. And these companies put a lot of money into cybersecurity and they're still having these issues. But actually, it's a lot easier. Again, remember cyber criminals go where it's easy. They take the path of least resistance. So small to medium-sized organizations that maybe aren't quite as mature or along, you know, down the path of their cyber defenses, they're really the easy prey. And so that's where we're seeing the, the, the big push now with incidents is in that segment, okay? And so first off, most associations fall into that, right? Trade associations. Mm-hmm. Most small companies, actually most companies in the exhibitions industry are small companies, small to medium-sized companies, right? Yeah another thing about the the trade the exhibitions industry as a whole and and the vendors that support it is what are they dealing with what's going on with exhibitions it's data like you said right i mean in the world in general is all about data but this industry is all about data yeah. right people registering people going people staying in hotels people getting you know education going online to virtual you know it's just people doing things online and so and data you know is very valuable just like i said if if nothing else spear phishing, you and know, criminals want to know who people are and what roles they play you know and if you're a higher level executive your that knowledge of your name and your role at your company actually does have have some some value there to them and so well before i get into the specifics of what i see smaller companies struggling with it's it's really it's data when we're talking about data it's bigger than just security okay because security is just one leg, you know, three three legs of a stool, or I call it the three-headed dragon when it comes to data, you, you companies, organizations really need to be self-aware and know where they're at in terms of their security, in terms of their privacy, data privacy, as well as data ownership. And all of these things have are dynamic spaces in and of themselves. So security is really more of the the technical aspect of you know locking down and securing the information itself, of course. Now, privacy is really around. Well, who really has rights to this data? You know, and how, who are we exposing this data to? How can we share this data? If we can share it, who can we share it with? And how do we share it? You know, so that's really all of the questions around the privacy side. A lot of people, everyone's familiar with GDPR, and and you know that was clearly a big big splash several years ago and then California you know came along and, and passed they were the first state to pass a privacy law very similar to GDPR but without the large monetary you know fines potentially with it well we've had two other states come along and do that as well Colorado and Virginia have also passed uh privacy laws that are state laws and there's on uh, right every year there's about 20 states that actually have privacy laws come up for voting and they're usually part of some other bills, right? So it's it's not going to be a law that most states do or we're going to have a federal privacy law, right? And so it's going to continue to be a very dynamic space that that companies must pay attention to and adhere to, you know, comply with, or they're at risk of potentially, you know, a lawsuit or something else, which of course, you know, you want to avoid that Mm. at all cases. And so so that's another big world in and of itself. And then there's ownership. And, you know, particularly with the onset in, in, in the exhibition space, with the onset of the, the virtual uh, event space, that's really gotten to be kind of an interesting question. And, and this is the reason why, because prior to virtual events really taking off with the pandemic, you know, the event vendor space was a pretty small industry. And those a lot of those companies that have been in the industry have been in it for years. And I think it was, it was always been pretty understood and as a whether it was you know contractual or not that the data is belongs to the event organizer right it's their data Mm -hmm. well with this push into virtual events a lot of money started coming into that space and we started having a lot of players you know companies from outside the industry coming into the industry and a lot of them backed by a lot of you know a lot of money Mm -hmm. investment money and what and and we know that in the in the the consumer space and with what's what's real they're really interested in data and capitalizing on data monetizing data right so we started seeing a lot of companies come in that actually started staking claims to some of this data that they're dealing with right Uh, from the event organizers data and so so you really have to read your contracts you know much closer than you had to in the past you know we've kind of had this steady state in the past but now with the new wave of vendors and new innovation that's coming in, you really got to get down to the, every single you know letter by letter in those contracts because companies are interested in event organizers data. And so ownership has kind of risen to a third leg of that stool where in the past, maybe it hasn't been such a big concern. <clears throat> so that's the three areas that's going on with data that companies uh, need, need to pay
0: attention to also oh, security privacy and ownership and and like you said the the ownership thing is something that i'm sure that most event organizers think well it's our show it's our data <laughs> and but read the fine print read your contracts understand what what is going on with mm-hmm. the other with your stakeholders to see who truly does own this information that is something that goes uh, well beyond cybersecurity. I mean, that's, you are, you are legally signing uh, things that you might be giving away the ownership rights of your data. Is that right?
1: That's right. uh, Right. Right. And you gotta, you know, and there are, there are some vendors will use words like, you know, metadata and or aggregate data. Well, metadata, what does that really mean? You know, and I think uh, organizations, you know, they're, they're usually not used to having to talk about that. But when I'm representing customers of mine, you know, I mean, I'll, I'll get, I am force vendors to be very specific. Well, tell me exactly what you mean by that. Show me what you mean by metadata. So I know, you know, what, what we're signing and what we're giving away, you know?
0: Yeah, so so if you don't know, get somebody who does know on your team, <laughs> <laughs> right. reach out to someone like Brian who could help, help you make make sense of this and make sure you are protected. So as, oh, go ahead, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's all right. Well,
1: you had asked, so what do I see as some common issues? You know, yeah, know, yeah. what do I think? I mean, it's a great question because I, I so I'll start at the top, I think, and it, and it does start at the top, actually, it's a good segue. So one of the biggest problems I see is that too many organizations, the head executive still still doesn't really take an ownership and responsibility of recognizing that security, mm-hmm. data security and all of these things um, it's a it, it's a business problem, you know. It's an executive leadership problem. It's not just an IT problem, right? It's not just one of those things like networking bandwidth or something, you know, or you know, or you know, do we have enough compute power for something? Those are IT problems. This is a business responsibility, right. and it has to start. If an organization is going to have a security-minded culture, it's got to start at the very top, right? Everything trickles down in all forms of culture, right? And this is no different. And the reason a a security-minded culture is so important is because staff of companies, they're the human firewall. And so what I mean by, you know, firewalls are technology devices that protect our networks, right? You know, from, from the internet and from attackers on the other side, that's an IT thing. But we had already talked about that all the attacks are coming through phishing, through emails. Mm-hmm. And what is an email? It's just something to some person and someone has to do something. They have to click on a link, go to a website, enter some credentials, download an attachment, whatever it is. But it's people doing things that is the weakest link. So you, ha- in order to be, have a secure company, you have to have a secure train, you know, a, a staff that's trained and have a security mindset built into your culture. And the only way you're going to do that is have it be important to to the CEO, right? So that that connection between the staffer to the CEO and the training and that human firewall, I still see a lot of gaps in that in a lot of places. I think a good way that a, a company can demonstrate, you know, so how do, how do you know is your company does it? Do they take it uh, seriously? Well, if the the business plan, your annual business plan for any organization, you know, it should have an IT component to it. And part of that IT component should be cybersecurity, right? Security and privacy, at least. So if it's really not at that level, then it's probably not getting the attention that it, it really needs to be effective. Another thing I see a lot is what I, what I call that business, you know, organization leadership, business owners and leadership, they're kind of operating with the lights and dim, you know, we all like to have dim lights in the evening. It's, it's nice and it's cozy and it's comfortable. And, you know, if there's a little, you know, if you haven't vacuumed the carpet in a, in a few days, you know, you don't really see it when you turn <laughs> the, the, the lights down and everything just seems nice and clean and it's safe, right? But cybersecurity is not something that you can operate in the dim end, right? It, what it means is it's going to bite you. And you, the when the lights are turned on, the lights are going to be turned on because you, you've got you know, ransomware that's now infected your, you know, your, uh, your, your files and your servers, or you have an all out uh, you know, security incident where someone has taken over your networks, that's when the lights are gonna turn on for you, right? Yeah. Well, let's not wait till then, right? Let's, that, that would be a mistake and, and probably, you know, kind of poor uh, stewardship of, of an organization, right? Let's turn on the lights before then, it, like really bright lights. And, and let's see where we are you to in order to make intelligent decisions about anything you really need to understand where you are today and so how you do that in in these topics with security and privacy and ownership <clears throat> is you get an assessment you know you have someone who understands that world very dynamic world changing every year mm-hmm. you know new attack vectors new software new appliances new new services you know it's just constantly changing Executives don't have time for that. So you got to get someone to come in on an annual basis and do an assessment. I'm not talking about a full security audit. Audits can be expensive. You know, they can, they can be, you know, in five figures at least and up to six figures for large organizations. Assessments are quicker. They're lower cost. They're easy. They come in and you have a, someone t- take a few days, right, to kind of go soup to nuts through what, what you're doing. And then create, take that technology review and policy and procedure review, translate it into business language for the leadership, and say, "This is where you're at," and that's, and that's turning on the lights, right? You've got mm-hmm. strengths here; you've done a great job here. Staff is doing well here, but here's this list of 15 things that you, you know, you really have a lot of room for improvement on. And I'd prioritize them in this way. Now everybody knows; it's all out in the open. We all know, and collectively, that that leadership team can decide how fast they want to move on it, decide what they want to do, decide how to invest if they need to invest. So that's turning on the lights. And so at least they, you know, they know where they're at.
0: <clears throat> wow. Yeah, this is this is this may be one of the most important topics we've ever talked about on this, on this show because of the possible ramifications. I mean, this this could shut a company down. It could cost you so much money. It could cost your reputation. There's so much that that could come from it if you're not careful, if you're not careful. And, and like Brian says, you gotta turn on the lights. You gotta make sure that those lights are shining bright. And this isn't a, a complete uh, great analogy, but I remember I had, I had an uncle who was a police captain. And growing up, he said, he goes, the cheapest form of home security is just a timer that turns on your lights. He goes, because like you said, Brian, thieves go after the low-hanging fruit, the easy targets. They go after those houses that are pitch black. They're yeah. not going to go after houses that are all lit up. But right. And so you've got to light up your house, <laughs> your, your company's house, to see where are we vulnerable, what is going on here, mm-hmm. and you doing it by yourself – may not give you the results that you're hoping for because you need to know what you're looking for things have changed so much and and don't just hire the guy who used to who did you know it work 20 years ago Mm -hmm. to to get this done this is something you need someone who is constantly on top of the industry. Yeah. Thank you so much for for shedding light on on this important topic. As as we kind of turn the corner wrap up here, what do you think what are the top one or two takeaways? What do you want people to really go uh, forward with and maybe some maybe a first step that they should take?
1: Yeah, so I I think that getting an assessment, you know, many companies have never been assessed or they were assessed 3 years ago, you know, a, a cybersecurity assessment. It's got to be the first step. How how other than that, I mean, I wouldn't know what to tell someone uh, to how, what to do next if I didn't know where they were at already, right? So you've, you've got to start with that that turning on the lights part. The other part is really paying a lot of attention to the human firewall part. The, 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 what is your annual training practices, your onboard training practices around cybersecurity, and what how effective is and are you running a good phishing training exercises on a regular basis, monthly at least, and are people responding and learning at it? You know, I've, I've seen lots of organizations say, oh, it's okay. We've got a fishing training, yeah. you know, exercise every month. We do it every month. And I'm like, oh, well, great. Well, what's your percentage of failure and how has it changed? And it's like, ah, every month, about 20% of our people fail. And it's oh. been that way for two years, you know? <laughs> oh. And I'm like, uh, okay. So that's not working for you, right? I mean, yeah. so really all you've done is just like you put a check mark on something, but it hasn't been effective. And so there are lots of, you know, you have to work it as an issue for it to be effective. And, and since phishing is, is the number one vector,
0: then it's definitely worth putting a lot of attention there. Absolutely, and I just think of companies that probably spend a small fortune in in their security networks, but it's that one person who is just kind of, oh, and they, they go ahead and they click on an email who is just mm-hmm. unsuspecting because they weren't trained on what to look for. And that that just blows your entire security budget out the window. Wow. It sure
1: does. You know, you can't keep the door locked if people are just opening it and letting anybody in. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. That's right.
0: Wow. Some great, great uh, content. Great information there, Brian. Thank you so much for sharing that. Tell people about ClearTone Consulting uh, your company and what you do day to day.
1: Sure. Great. So I provide fractional CIO services. So I've been a CIO for 21 years and, you know, a CIO has a broad spectrum of responsibility. So whether you're building software or integrating software, buying new systems, data center operations, cybersecurity, support for your staff, networking, legal contracting on on IT topics. It's a pretty broad thing. And so large companies can afford an experienced CIO that brings these years of experience in in all of these areas. Small to medium sized companies may not have the need for a full-time CIO, but they can still really get value by a fractional CIO, right? So, so um, I'm offering these, you know, these 21 years of experience, though, but in a part-time fashion for whatever the company needs, right? And it's really been, you know, I've been doing this for a little over two years now. It's been a, a wonderful experience, and I've I really enjoy helping customers and seeing the smiles on their face when, uh, you know, we improve their technology
0: challenges. That's awesome. That's awesome. And 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 could be a very cost-effective solution for the right companies as well, because they, they're not having to put out for a full-time CIO. Fantastic. Right. So if people want to know more about, about you and Clear Tone Consulting, what's the best way for them to find that out?
1: Website's always the best, right? So it's www.cleartoneconsulting.com, or you could always email me at Scott at Consulting.
0: Awesome. And I'll drop those links in the show notes so check out those. Brian, thank you again for uh, for sharing so much great information. Like I said, this might be one of the most important topics, especially cuz I I know there's probably a lot of uh, medium size and small size, maybe even some larger size businesses that are not taking this seriously enough and uh, the ramifications could be dire. So, thank you for for coming on one more time and and sharing your your wisdom and uh...
1: Thank you, Jim. Always a good time.
0: Absolutely. And everyone continue to learn, continue to protect yourself and you can protect yourself in so many ways by just getting better, getting more knowledge and keep doing that. At Trade Show University, go to TradeshowU.biz slash episodes for every episode right there on one page. And I look forward to seeing you again here next week on campus at Trade Show University. We'll see you next time.